Welcome to the D&E Download on 2LO Rebooted, where we tell the stories of BBC design and engineering. I'm Bill Thompson. In this programme, we're looking back to someone who worked for the BBC for a couple of years, over seven decades ago, wasn't even an engineer, and who resigned in part because he felt that he was wasting my time and the public money on doing work that produces no result. And yet, this week, we unveiled a statue of him outside Broadcasting House in London, clutching a roll-up cigarette and leaning from his podium as if to berate every passing journalist, developer, sound engineer and UX designer to up their game and do better for the BBC. Yes, George Orwell has returned. The statue was created by Martin Jennings, whose portrait of the poet John Betjeman can be seen at St Pancras Station, and it was unveiled on Tuesday afternoon by Baroness Janet Whittaker, whose late husband Ben had led the campaign to fund and commission it, and also by Orwell's son, Richard Blair. I would therefore like to add my thanks to Baroness Whittaker for her continued support for this statue that she started with her late husband, Ben Whittaker, which would not have happened without his enthusiasm. To the contributors who put up the money so generously, the immense amount of work put in by Martin Jennings who has accepted this, created this masterpiece with whom I have worked with and has so graciously accepted some of my suggestions. And to all those at the BBC who have worked tirelessly to see the conclusion to this momentous project, which I hope you will all be proud of. I would therefore ask Baroness Janet Whittaker if she would join me to present Martin Jennings' magnificent statue to my father. Red button together. One, two, three. <laughs> Richard Blair was very happy to see the statue finally in place. Uh, this has been an absolutely wonderful afternoon. Uh, it's a culmination of many years, probably going back to about, oh gosh, 2009, 2010, when uh, Ben Whitaker started to, uh, came up with the idea of having a statue at the BBC, saying that they ought to have a statue at the BBC. The BBC were quite neutral, I think, in their, their attitude. And uh, he, he was able to, he got a lot of people, very well-known faces, to put their hands in their very deeply into their pockets and, and uh, uh, come up with a lot of money. And uh, he raised the money for, and that the, the sculptor was chosen, it was Martin Jennings, whom he had obviously, we have seen his, his works at St Pancras. So yes, it, it's, uh, it's been the culmination of many years, there have been a lot of delays and, and committees making decisions and uh, well we know all about that, don't we? So, why Orwell? Well, for two years, between 1941 and 1943, Orwell, whose real name was Eric Blair, was a BBC staff member, number 9889, hired as a talks producer for the Eastern Service, the predecessor of the World Service, to write what was essentially propaganda for broadcast to India. Now, his impact on politics, literature and journalism has been immense since his death, and his books, 1984 and Animal Farm, along with his well-known essays like Politics in the English Language, continue to resonate today. But it seems he learned a lot from his time at the BBC, 
as I heard from Jean Seaton, BBC historian. I'm here because I am the director of something called the All World Foundation, which tries to do things in all world spirit, really, uh, and be awkward. And weirdly, I also am a historian of the BBC, so there's some curious way in which two streams in my life have, have bubbled me up on this. So I know about the BBC, I know about the BBC during the war, and I know about all world. And it did come together wonderfully in, in this speech you made uh, just after the unveiling. Perhaps you could rehearse some of that with us here now. What, what, did, what did you tell the assembled great and good of the BBC? Well, I hope I sort of... I raised a very slight query about whether Orwell would have wanted a statue because he didn't feel like a memorable person in that way. Um, I explained what Orwell gave the BBC which was putting Indian subcontinent great writers on, you know, fantastic, all of whom were anti-imperialists, um, on the radio all over the subcontinent. And uh, he also marked the BBC for whether it interfered with him or not, and it didn't. And what the BBC, there's quite interesting things that the BBC gave Orwell. Um, a sense of a big bureaucracy, which he didn't like, but he'd never encountered before. A sense of being in the bowels of propaganda which I think is what informs 1984. This is not something accidental. He knows how to do it very, very well. Uh, a sense of editing, a sense, I think, of speaking, though he didn't do it, to a very large audience who isn't reading and therefore hearing it in their head, but is somehow listening collectively. And I think there's an elegance in that, which then goes into Animal Farm and 1984, both of which he writes after he's been at the BBC. And the most important thing that they share, which is an odd thing to say, is that Orwell's most extraordinary personal quality and quality as a writer, which we can all aspire to but we know we won't get there, is an absolutely ruthless self-interrogation. He never minds showing you his cowardices or his faults. And indeed he then rather seductively, gets you on his side. But I think that the BBC is an institution, and it came to me while I was doing it, that this was a really key democratic value. It will endlessly criticise itself. This is not true. This is not true of most media organisations who stay, understandably because of their market, beside themselves. So this odd, anxious, ruthless self-excoriation is something we should prize because they both have it. Those principles of clarity of expression, honest inquiry and rigorous self-examination are just as relevant to the team coding the iPlayer recommendation algorithm or designing a children's app as they are to a journalist editing a package for the 10. And this is especially true in an age when the design of the tools we use to make journalism can have such an impact on the outcome. Look at the work we're doing to counter fake news and help journalists do a better job. Richard Blair agrees. Does it offer a message for the BBC? Yes, read the inscription and, uh, and take note. And here's the quotation he refers to. If liberty means anything at all, it means the right to tell people what they do not want to hear. That's all from this d and &E download. Do subscribe to us on SoundCloud or iTunes. Just search for 2LO Rebooted.